Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Man, I gotta tell you, I haven't really had coffee in a while and I'm, I'm buzzed. <laughs> you're buzzed on the coffee but you've been taking all that you've been like doing all the caffeine stuff right well no i've been see that's the beautiful thing about nootropics is that they work as cognitive agonists i guess you could say um or amplifiers uh even without caffeine they they happen to work very synergistically with caffeine meaning that the interactions get multiplied and therefore you have to take less of things so for instance um one of my key ingredients that i like a whole lot i think i referred to it uh last week lion's mane mushroom did i talk about that i think so yeah that sounds familiar yeah yeah lion's mane mushroom as well as like huperazine a um, I don't know if there is a huperazine B or C or anything like that. So I don't know if the A is important or not, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, evidently not. Um, these things like they work really well, even without caffeine to kind of get you going and you know whatever. But then when you combine it with caffeine, what I learned the hard way is that you really got to dial down the amounts of everything that you have because caffeine just basically reduces, uh, like the limit to the barrier to entry for, you know, all of these things to kind of kick. So I learned the hard way. I was like overstimulated a couple weeks back. Like I just had too much stuff going on. Like my brain was just running really fast and I felt kind of like sweaty and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, this is obviously too much of a lot of stuff. So uh, I had to dial everything back and, and figure that part out. But, but yeah, this is my first time having nothing, you know, n- nothing else today, but just some black coffee. But, the like Starbucks must make there's one right around the corner from my house. So I kind of just like, you know, walked in there and uh, man, their stuff is just rocket fuel. This is. Yeah, you just I'm, you just haven't had it in a while. I don't think it's rocket fuel. No, you don't think so. You don't think no, it's highly caffeinated. I don't, I don't think so. No. Mm, OK, well, I guess I haven't uh, I haven't had coffee in a while, but either way, this is making me go off. Um, but how was uh, how was your week? Uh, it was a uh, it was a fine week. It was kind of like a chill week. Not a lot really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, had some work this weekend. I tried to do some product shots for some t-shirts, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, fine. It was it's one of those things where someone's like, "I want four pictures," mm-hmm. and then they show up and they really want twenty pictures, mm. and it's just like, uh, "I want to charge you more for this," just so you know, because I'm not in the mood to play <laughs> this game right now. Yeah, I mean, if the estimate was completely off in terms of what they wanted and stuff like that, like your pricing estimate is based off the services that you were quoted. like Right. Well, and then in this situation, they requested someone wearing a T-shirt in front of a white background. Mm-hmm. So my office is all white walls. So I don't set up, I didn't set up a paper backdrop. Yeah. But then the new shots that he added were full body and he wanted like a, it's called a psych. It's like that big white wall where you can't see edges and it's just nothing but white. Mm-hmm. And you get that, but the giant roll of paper that's like seven feet wide, and it's yeah. a big pain in the ass to set up. And it was, I was really annoyed because you tell me you want four shots, just people standing in front of a white wall. And I could have set this up earlier, but now we have to wait half an hour yeah. for me to set this up. And it kind of just like uh, 
ruined the day. Uh, yeah, I, I actually had an experience kind of similar to that where um, I did uh, this shoot semi-recently. Like, I don't know, time is kind of meaningless in quarantine, so I don't really know how long it's been since that occurred. But uh, I did a shoot with a guy semi-recently. He wanted to do some, like, uh, like fitness kind of stuff, but then with certain backdrops that he would then edit to make textured whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really in the industry. I don't understand what's happening. But I, I realized how, like, spoiled I've been coming up with uh, you doing most of the photography work that I've been involved in. Because uh-huh. generally, it's like, even when we were going out to somewhere else, it's like you're very directed and very focused. You're like, okay, that looks like a good spot. Let's do that. And then I want you to do something like this along these lines. And you're like, yep, this is, you know, whatever. I mean, sure. You ask, uh, are you feeling all right or whatever, like a million times. <laughs> <laughs> which generally I am. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you? How feeling? are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. How are you feeling? Um, but man, like with this, it was just like, uh, OK, like I went over to this guy's house because this was during COVID. So initially we were going to be out doing stuff. And I went over to this guy's house and, you know, um, it was just like a whole lot of like, okay, maybe this backdrop. No, I kind of, and, and then once he sets it, he's like, looks at it for a while. He's like, no, nah, I like the other one better. And they like swaps it out. And like that whole takes a time, you know? And, uh, and then, okay, what I want is, um, huh? Oh, I forgot to make that. Cause like, uh, it, it was like a fitness kind of thing, but we were doing it inside. So he made, he was like, Oh, I forgot to make like that mixture of glycerin and water to make like a sweat effect and like all this kind of stuff. And so it's like all this stuff, you know, and I'm happy to be there, but it wasn't, you know, and I'm, I'm more than happy to do a shoot with you. And like, it's cool. You've got some vision and shit like that. And I am just there, you know, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not there for, you know, I, I didn't want to turn this into an all day thing. This was just supposed to be like, Hey, I'll, I'll come help you out for an hour, get you some shots of whatever you were looking for. And then I'll leave. Right. It's like, uh, it's just setting up expectations or like uh, knowing what to ask or like what you're asking doesn't in- mean you know, a person's entirety. There's like limits to what you're asking of someone. Right, right, exactly. Like I, you know, like if you had told me up front, hey, I don't really know what, you know, I, I want. I'm, I'm going to figure it out when I get there, you know, whatever. How does three hours sound to you? I would have said no, because right, I don't, right. don't want to give up three hours. But if you tell me about 40, to, 40 minutes to an hour and you want this specific stuff and then you like, that's not what we're doing, it kind of, it it doesn't bother me. Like I was, I was like, all right, just relax, ride this one out, you know, whatever. But it's like, I've gotten over the feeling. I think it's kind of a juvenile feeling of thinking that your time isn't worth anything. You know what I mean? Like that. Oh, I, uh, I can just hang out all day, you know, whatever. Or I don't do anything on the weekends, yada, yada. It's like, no, no, no. My time is super valuable uh, because at bare minimum, even if I'm not doing anything, I want to enjoy my time that I don't have to be billable to somebody else. Right. You know? So, so that was kind of my thoughts on that. So I, I've got to say, I always appreciate how kind of directed and focused you are. But of course, that has to be like a two-way street, right? Like mm-hmm. people also have to come into what you're doing the same way. Exactly. But that's, uh, I kind of, I'm glad you brought this up or I brought this up because I wanted, I forgot to mention this last week when we were talking about uh, social media Yeah. and how a big part of social media is uh, giving, but not just taking. Mm-hmm. You have to be, uh, you have to give value to your following for them to want to actually give you something 
Right. And you can't always be asking for money or buy my stuff, buy my stuff without mm-hmm. providing some sort of value outside of that. So I just wanted to mention that last week and I forgot. That's actually super interesting that you brought that. Like, like I have something uh, I came to this episode wanting to talk about, but I am going to divert for just one second because uh, it's very coincidental that we're talking about this right at the time. Like earlier this morning, um, I'm watching my buddy's dogs. So uh, I went over there to watch his dogs and his dogs don't interact well with my dog or one of his dogs specifically doesn't mm-hmm. uh, because he's he's a male, but he's like a middle sized dog, like probably around 50 pounds or something like that. And my dog's a male, but he's like 100 pounds. But my dog is just like a goofy like he doesn't he's an only child so he doesn't understand like you know positioning oneself in a hierarchy he just exists like he right. doesn't he's not very competitive he doesn't compete for resources even when we watch someone else's dog over at our place he doesn't care if they eat his food or take his bone he's just like oh whatever like i don't give a shit but my buddy's dog is always kind of competitive and and trying to like dominate the situation so i just like never involve them. So I had to like do this whole thing separately where I had to hang out with my dog and get him exercise, then drop him off at home, then go over and watch some other dogs. Anyways, it was this big whole thing. So I'm, I've gotten really into this guy's YouTube channel. His name is Finn McKenty McGenty. Okay. Finn something or other. He's like a, he's a music guy, but he's also in marketing and he has done obviously like marketing for big companies and stuff like that. So I've been learning a lot from him. Uh, Maybe we'll link him below or some shit. I don't know. And he talked to me on Instagram. That was cool. What? What? Yeah, exactly. Which means that he's not big enough yet to totally ignore me, (laughs) but he is big enough for it to matter that he, uh, I don't know. He's just got a lot of like really good uh, advice and things like that. Uh In one of his videos that he does, because he does like this whole multi-channel sort of thing, which I'm starting to realize is the wave of the future, right? You got to have a YouTube channel and an Instagram account and like a website. And that's, you know, like you can't just survive on one thing alone. I think you have to have all these things in the mix and each one is used for different things. And that's something I'd actually like to figure out for the future myself because, you know, you have a social media person now. um, Right. And I don't really get like I know what each of these things are used for, but I'm certainly not using any of them correctly. Uh, So so that's something that I could certainly dive deeper into. But anyways, So uh, he made this video about why this one person is really successful on Instagram. Like, I forget who it was. It was one of his friends, but they own a company and they're really, they're like Instagram top tier, you know, whatever. Okay. And so he went over like real basic things like hashtag tips or whatever. But then he said, in general, he uses his account. How do I do this? He uses his account like a funnel. Does this look like a funnel? Mm, Sure. I don't know how to make a funnel with my uh, hands. Uh, yeah, don't do don't do that sign with okay. your hands. Yeah, no. Well, we'll just call it a funnel and we'll just ignore the hand <laughs> gestures. So <laughs> so uh so he was talking about how his Instagram account is a funnel and you have three basic types of posts, but one of the, like one of those three gets the least amount of following and that's the one where you're actually making the ask. Like mm-hmm marketing pitches or saying like or an advertisement like oh hey i really like to whiten my teeth with the high smile teeth whitener or whatever i mean you probably write the copy a little bit better than that but you get the idea yeah 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 
So, so those posts are always going to be the least liked. Like that's just the way it is. Nobody really cares for ads. Nobody really cares for, you know, whatever. So those were, so he analyzed his, uh, his like rates on all these different kinds of posts and the ones where he's like, Hey, you know, here's my company and we just released this shirt. Get it now for this price on my website or something like that. Like those were the least trafficked, but because of how he set up the other two posts, if your funnel casts a wide enough net, you're still going to get enough traffic to that bottom piece. Uh-huh. And so the largest part of the funnel was what they called the like magnets. So the like magnets were the things in this guy's case. He's in the fitness industry. He's selling, uh, I think the specific business was like uh, apparel, fitness apparel, right? So the like magnets were all the stuff of like dudes with, you know, muscles and shit like that or like abs and then girls with like shorts or like whatever, you know, those are the, that's the like magnets. So you start pulling people in and I guess the way the algorithm works, and this would be something to talk to your social media person about, like maybe we do, you know, another episode specifically about that because I have no idea, like I said, but (laughs) evidently the more reach you get on the, on the, on your posts, the more people like them, the more it gets presented to other people who are following those tags. Is that right? That makes sense. Is that how that works? I Uh, don't know, but yeah, (laughs) this is why it's good that you have a person who's, who's doing this because I have no idea. Um, so you use the like magnet. So if you, if you set up enough traffic there, then that converts to the second part of the funnel, which is the, you know, the transitionary thing. So that was, This guy, his like magnets, for example, were my fitness, you know, whatever. Here's some dudes flexing. Here's some girls lifting. Here's whatever. Then the middle part of the segment was his lifestyle. Like, here's how you get to know me as a brand creator myself. Here's my family. And here's my house. And here's my car. Me, like, standing with my car. Like, whatever it was. I don't know. And -hmm. so that was kind of that middle transitionary period that funnels. Here's all the people who are just going to like stuff but aren't going to convert into fans right? Like they just like it because it's fitness. They like it, whatever. But if you make it to the second stage, that's the people who you have opportunity with, right? Because they're following you as a person, your brand, whatever your, you know, in this case, his house, his family, his lifestyle, yada, yada, yada. And then even more funneled down are the people who are actually going to buy your stuff. The people who are, you know, looking at the brand content, the advertisement kind of stuff, yada, yada, yada. So anyways, Long story short, in fact, this probably wasn't nearly specific enough because I just watched this off the cuff this morning. So maybe uh, we should probably do an episode where we're breaking that down a little bit better than the sort of general speak that I'm using right now. Uh huh. But I found it really interesting that uh, like I've never had a strategy towards social media because I've just used social media for like personal purposes, not ever really for any. Right. You know, whatever. But it it made a whole lot of sense that you you want to start to come at this with like a game plan and start to funnel things down. So I just thought that was interesting to go off of uh, what you had said before, <laughs> and and an interesting coincidence about what's what uh what kind of content I'm looking into at the moment. Yeah, so we just learned a lot about Atish right now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is what happens when you fucking give me too much coffee when I haven't had coffee in a long time, and you know whatever. But anyways, speaking of content, um, I, uh, I came across this really old Forbes article. And well, first of all, Forbes is annoying. I'm just going to come out and say that. 
because they're one of these websites that you get this many free articles, but then after that many, you're burned for the month or something oh. like that. Yeah. And I get it. You have to have these revenue generators and, you know, whatever. But I, I don't know. I don't know if it's sustainable. Like, do you know medium.com? I do know medium. Yeah. I think that there's some interesting stuff posted there. For the most part, it's just like I just use it for these quick tips on, you know, whatever. Or So to me, they say like, oh, you get five free stories. And then after that, you can you have to upgrade to be an unlimited user and read more. But the content that's out there and the stuff that's advertised is never good enough for me to want to make that conversion. Right. But I don't know. Again, that might just be me. I don't actually know. But anyways. It is it is uh, interesting to see people trying to figure out how to evolve with how the world's changing, not just with the pandemic, but just everything being digital, things not being tangible anymore, things that are just online all the time. And oh, if I don't pay for it here, I can find it for free over here. And it's just interesting how to how do you survive in that world? Right. And that's kind of what I discovered, because Medium essentially is a collection of independent writers. So like kind of self-published authors or, you know, whatever. But more often than not, those people are trying to plug their own stuff. So they have their own website that has articles or has stuff on it. Like I found this guy, Darius Faru, that I really like reading his stuff on Medium. Well, guess what? He has his own site where it's for free. So why would I ever go through Medium? It's like Medium is trying to get me to pay money for something that's already out there. It doesn't make any sense. I think there's also probably a group of people that won't do that extra step of just the Google search. Yeah, is, that's that's probably true. And that's and that's kind of where Forbes lives in that niche because it's like you don't really get the same content. The people who are writing for Forbes are exclusively doing so for Forbes or uh-huh. you know whatever. So you really can't replicate the same content and it's the same thing with like Harvard Business Review and stuff like that. That kind of content you can't exactly replicate, although I'm sure there's a bunch of people saying the same thing. Uh-huh. But anyways, so I came across this article that was actually like pretty old. um, And I say that in the relative term. I think it's from like 2012. So it's not really that old. But, you know, eight years ago has got some time. But it had a, you know, I mean, that's uh, what grade are you in when you're eight? Second? First? Uh, No idea. Maybe third? Me me neither. I have have no idea and I have no concept of age. how old that like I really don't remember anything since before I was like 10 or 12. I feel like you start school at five, right? Uh, like kindergarten's five, so eight would be third grade. Okay. Okay, well, whatever. So this article is a third grader ago. Weird way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so this article is a third grader ago, but um you know, I, I kind of thought it was, it was basically like, here are some important questions that you should be asking yourself if you're an entrepreneur or like an entre- or a, a want, wannabe entrepreneur and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And um, I found some of them to be more uh, critical than others uh, or more relevant than others, whereas some were obviously more important, but maybe not as important to the current stage at which I exist. Like there was stuff about... Um, you know, how much credit do you have and what is your runway and stuff like that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that is probably an important thing to know, but not at the stage that I'm at. Like, I think there are different gradations. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably something you need to figure out when you're budgeting for a movie or something like that. Yeah. Or or if you're going out to try and find investment or, or loans to 
finance your ideas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe your business model, your business model might not include that. So it's okay to skip it. Yeah. See, that's kind of the thing. I'll come back to that. But uh, that was kind of my thoughts around this was that even though I would like to, uh, my goal is to have all these things made in America, I saw what it actually costs to manufacture stuff in China. It's ludicrously cheap. So it's I like believe it, yeah. I could pro- for this kind of an uh, for this kind of a venture, I could probably self fund at least the first little while off of a personal loan. Like I don't think it it would have to require much else than that. Right. Well, it's kind of like uh, also keeping in line with the theme of the podcast of being ramen profitable. Right. So just like keeping your expenses low enough to where it's kind of self sufficient. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm not trying to, and I don't think anyone would indiscriminately, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who think that they've got like the next, uh, the next, uh, like, oh, I'm going to make the next Uber or something like that. And then you overextend your overhead. So now you're just in debt from the jump, which to a degree, maybe you have to, to pay engineers to make the product or something like that to make the app. But then you're way overextended at the at the start, so your profitability has to be at a certain point, or else you're going to be reporting back to the street or to your private shareholders that like you're making negative one thousand dollars a day. <laughs> you know, right, what I mean, right. it's it's complicated. But anyway, so I kind of pulled out what I thought the most um, the most important sort of questions at at least uh, for, for me and maybe, maybe you'll have different opinions otherwise, but I thought we would kind of just run through them and, and, uh, you know, love to hear your take on these items and how it specifically pertains to elephant scout. And then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll kind of leave my thoughts on them. Does that sound fair? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we're here. That, that was one of my, uh, that was one of my key phrases when I was, uh, doing sales was that I would always ask people if it sounds fair. That's, that's evidently one of the things that like people are conditioned to want to help you if they feel like you're, you know, like, Oh, I'm struggling or I want to, you know, whatever. So if you ask them a question, that's like very innocuous, like not like, Oh, so are you ready to buy? It's like everyone will throw their shields up at that point. But if I'm just saying like, you know, Hey, Chris, I would, I understand that, you know, you have a need for new microphones. Like you've, you probably are, you know, podcasting a lot. You need some microphones and you probably are wondering like, what's the best bang for your buck? You don't want to spend a lot of money. Like, how about I show you some microphones, um, that, you know, might suit your needs and might actually surprise you in terms of their technological capability by their price index. Like, does that sound fair? And then people in general would want to be like, yeah, okay. Like, I'd be willing to just look at that. Or like, I'd say something to the effect of like, and if you don't care, if you don't like them, we can both just walk away as friends and, you know, doesn't, I won't call you again. Does that sound fair? So it's like I lower the, <laughs> I lower the amount of like pressure on people just to get them to stay on the fucking phone. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it gets, it gets weird. All right. So question, question number one. And I think you always have a very good kind of response to this uh, historically. Uh, and I say that mostly just because I've seen your uh, investor deck or, or the presentation you put together. But I thought this one was kind of key. What are your motives? What and, are your uh, motives? Yeah. What are your motives? What are your motives? My motives. Yeah. Uh, and this was a key little, like, I like their blurb underneath it, which in general said that you know, fame and money and power and all that kind of stuff 
That stuff will come much, much later, if it even comes at all. Uh, so, you know, you better have something else to back it up. Otherwise, as soon as you hit these really rough points, like you've probably seen those memes uh, that are like the uh, the life cycle of an entrepreneur or whatever. And it's like at first you're doing stuff and you think everything's going great. And then you have failure number one. So you go tank to the bottom and then you grow yeah, a little yeah. bit. Then you tank to the bottom. Then you, go, you know, so those those kind of failures and those setbacks are going to be numerous and uh, probably feeling very crippling. So you have to have something else that sort of backs you up. And so for me, my motives actually aren't really uh, fame or power or money, although all three of those things would be great. Um, but for me, it kind of, uh, I think it represents a little bit, like my motives are just about kind of intellectual curiosity. And I don't know if that's enough of a driver for business, so to speak. But, but for me, my motives are just sort of that I would like to, um, have you heard of Ramit Sethi? That sounds very familiar. Yeah, he's a he's an Indian guy. He uh, is really big in the San Francisco sort of world. He's like an investor in lots of tech startups, very wealthy. He wrote a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Okay, that sounds familiar. Something that he says like in the introductory chapters of the book is that, you know, you can absolutely like get to your rich life, but you have to define what that looks like for you because not everybody, it means mansions and, you know, whatever. And that's sort of kind of what, um, what I think my motives are surrounding. Like my part of my rich life is to lead a life where I'm continually discovering something where I can, um, where I can kind of push some boundaries on stuff or, or, or uh, try and understand more about the specific segment that I'm in and continuously learning, but then also setting up like, like my rich life would be not necessarily working for anybody else or, you know, it, it doesn't have to be living in a palatial estate or anything like that. Uh, what do they call that on those shows? A stunning estate. <laughs> like, in all the in all the uh, you know uh, realty shows or whatever, it's like, oh, look at this gorgeous, stunning estate. Oh my goodness! Australian, always of course, of course, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's like I have no desire to really. I mean, I would love to make money, and I mean, power. I don't really have any, you know, anything like that. But I think my motives are just to foster a a uh, lifestyle of continuous growth and being able to share that with other people. And I think that's kind of ultimately what drives it's, it's what, you know, um, was dry, was the driving factor between behind like optimized human and stuff like that. Like all these primordial things that keep me going back to the well is basically sharing a, uh, a lifestyle of continuous and never ending improvement. And like, being intellectually curious or being physically curious or anything like that. Like that's the kind of thing that always drives me. And I know that there are other people such as myself out there. So I just want to share those methods. And I think that's kind of what my motive is uh, surrounding that. What are your thoughts on uh, your motives for elephant scout? Uh, I think elephant is mostly about just a need to tell stories that are more uh, diverse in representation and who's portraying those stories. I think that's, that's what it is. It's kind of the same thing is knowing that I think there's other people out there that want to see themselves more in movies and stories. And I think that's why I want to tell these stories and move forward with Elephant Scout. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading that, you know, 
probably a little bit more flowery language, but I'm, I'm, I read that in your investor deck and I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's essentially what you need in a, in a mission statement, right? Like your why. And it was put very clearly, but also very simply, like it wasn't, you know, a long tangential, uh, narrative that I usually deliver, (laughs) but, but like a little bit more simple, a little bit more clear and very direct. Like here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, people seem to resonate with that fact. Right. right. And I, I and I do think keeping something like having a clear motive helps you make decisions as you move forward. Yeah. So, you know, it might be you said something about being intellectually minded people that would be interested in optimizing their uh, performance. That sounds like what was your motivation, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, that doesn't that, you know, doesn't just apply to, let's say, jujitsu. It could apply to cycling. It could apply to. Oh, yeah. Uh, wood carvers. It could apply to uh, bridge builders. I don't know. You know, so it's there's like yeah. a, you can like frog jump to different, not frog jump. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. Frog jump. You, you can frog works. jump. You can hop from different ideas to different ideas and kind of you know optimize different new things that'll keep you stimulated, but still keep your motives uh, at the forefront. Yeah, exactly. It's. I, and I kind of always vacillate between those sort of things that like, oh man, I want to make this as specific as possible. I'm talking about just this singular item, but then I always also back out into like, oh no, but I want to not miss the forest through the trees and all that kind of stuff. So, but, um, but that's, that's like a really strong point is that I can always look back at what my motives are and what I'm actually trying to achieve and anything that is done in service of those motives would it like it helps guide you through decision matrices and things like that where there's an infinite number of options of something that I could do it's like oh a a, a pre-workout supplement you know th- that would apply to so many people my market segment could be huge but it doesn't it that wouldn't serve my motives. That that's no, yeah. such a broad focus, and it doesn't serve my motives. So it almost would behoove me to be a little bit more specific and maybe guide it that way. You know, so it, it I feel like having your motives behind you helps you kind of direct your choices. And and I think that you have a really prime example of that, right? It's like you were kind of vacillating between should we do this uh, Dirty Harriet movie or should we not? Uh huh. You know, because it's like obviously the climate and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, well, actually, before I speak my piece, what was your final decision on that? Uh, we're going to move forward with it. We're going to. Yeah. We, yeah. With all the updates to the script and then like we it's a, has a more progressive setting in the story. Sure. So it's uh, I think it's what people would want to see in a cop movie. Yeah. But also it's just a basic good guy versus bad guy. You know, it's a Western storyline, basically. Yeah. And so it's just set in a with some a few police officers there. So it's it's interesting to, you know, kind of not push it's just it's the uh the emotional uh emotions have been processed. Yeah. And uh now decisions like clear decisions can be made. So it's not coming from like a defensive place anymore. Now it's like right. from a more uh thoughtful place. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, if your motive is to have you know more representation of of all kinds of people in your films, I mean, that's that's uh, something that would have to be considered in that. It's like, well, you know, uh, the obvious consideration is to yank the movie or something, given the specific narrative or like the, the main character that we follow and everything like that. But following your motives, it's like, well, 
maybe we can we can workshop this such that it represents more people that we that we know in our current sort of state in our in our current climate and i think that that you know understanding what your motives were as a as a filmmaker and as a creator really helped you kind of navigate what's what's a really complicated situation right now yeah 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 so, so motives are important motives, motives are, are important, important. Yep. yeah uh this was one actually that i i was uh toying around with this idea a lot uh how comfortable am i with failure not at all yeah exactly right it's it's like i would like to believe that i i'm you know oh man like stress just rolls off my back or beads off my back like a uh water on a duck or whatever the the saying is something like that sure but but i mean the truth is is that i'm actually very uncomfortable with failure um but something that I read, uh, have you have you read a lot of uh, Tim Ferriss? Or you know who the guy is? Yeah, 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 I've read a few Tim Ferriss things. Yeah, I don't know. Some of his stuff I'm a little in and out on. Um, I think that his basic he resonates me what well, resonates with me well as a person because he is the intellectually curious person that I, you know, he like he and I are very the same in that. No matter what I'm learning to do, I'm trying to deconstruct it into smaller pieces such that I can master these parts individually. I'm trying to understand concepts and things, you know, all that kind of stuff. Tim Ferriss represents that for me as well. But, uh, you know, some of his stuff, like the four-hour work week and stuff like that, I was like, eh, I don't know. Not, not really for me. But one thing that he had in one of his books or maybe it was a podcast episode i forget where he said like one of the key important questions that he started asking himself that then changed a lot like his game plan on a lot of stuff was what is the worst case scenario that would ha- could happen right now like what is the worst case scenario and how would i respond how would i think about this and i think that this concept like dates all the way back to the stoic philosophers of you know ancient greece and stuff like that because they would they had that concept of memento mori like remember that you're going to die and then that would inform your actions today nothing's going to go to waste because i'm going to die someday so similarly like what is the worst case scenario that happens to elephant scout like what is the worst case scenario what's the worst thing that could happen we never make movies Right. And then and so what happens to you then if if you don't make movies? I go work at the post office if it still exists. <laughs> if it's still <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a tenuous hold, man, because I don't, I don't know if the post office is going to exist. <laughs> well, but I mean, maybe less in a less complex sort of way like so for instance, you know, what happens if I lose my job right now? It's like, well, I've got quite a few skills. I'm I've got a good resume, I can go get another job or worst case scenario, you know, I've got some savings and I've got enough skills to get a low level job that will sustain, you know, my livelihood for mm-hmm. right now because I've cut most expenses and I'm living very like within my means. So if I'm doing that, then really I, it, it affords me the idea. Like, I think this is something that a person such as myself has to do where, you know, I'm not all that bold and I'm not all that comfortable with failure. But doing this little exercise where you're like, well, what is the worst that can happen? Like, I recognize oh, I can go work at a coffee shop and I can still pay for Like, I cut down all my expenses such that I could still pay for everything that I have right now, you know, and and uh, have like a, I can get fired. Like, that can happen. If I was living my life like one of these uh, $40,000 millionaires that you meet out in uh, Scottsdale. Scottsdale, yeah. Where it's like the car that they're driving is super nice. They've got a nice watch on, whatever. But if you actually looked at their bank 
statements, you'd be like, oh, man, you're in trouble. Like, this looks real tenuous. If they were to lose their job all of a sudden, you know, in this COVID climate or something like that, they're done. Yeah. They're done. It's like they, they just put their money out into ridiculous places. So I think keeping an eye on how, like, what the worst case scenario is will make you a little bit more comfortable with failure. And what this means in my regard is that, well, given that I know that I can, you know, get rid of my current job and still be okay, allows me to get more comfortable with failure on this side of the house with my independent projects. It allows me to be like, okay, you know, even if this doesn't take off, even if this doesn't, whatever, if this takes more time out of my time pie and stuff like that, it's like I can be willing to do so because I know that I'm going to be all right on the other end. And mm-hmm. to some degree, you must feel the same way. Otherwise, you never would have jumped. You made the leap on your own. Well, I think what it I think maybe there's like, what is your definition of failure? Mm, that's a good question. So it, it, to me, uh, what I'm hearing from you is it sounds like not having any income is failure. I mean, it's certainly the thing I'm most anxious about. Yeah. So, but to me, to failure in this regard, I, I was reading in this article was uh, making mistakes and learning from them and then growing and then moving forward from that. Mm. You know, am I not posting enough? Am I making the wrong type of movie? Is, yeah. You know, how many people showed up to this screening as opposed to this screening? It's like, what am I learning as I go along? And that's what I, I look at as, you know, the failures I learned from and being comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, 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 yeah. That so, but it's, so it's reasonable to have concerns about not having any income. That's yeah, uh, that's well, a legit it, thing to be concerned about. But I, I, are you comfortable with, uh, you know, you making your flow flow roll, flow roll? <laughs> uh, it's it's just it, like that. Um, what is that on uh, Thirty Rock where it's the rural juror? Rural juror, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. The rural juror. The rural juror. Uh, I think what it, I think a failure might be is what happens if people take it and no one has the same response to it as you do, or what if no one wants to buy it, or no one is really interested in it, or only four people are interested in it that you've talked to. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing that I've been ruminating on. Is that so? I guess this would be more in line with that definition of failure, which is maybe there isn't that much in that like, because what one of the things that I was you know very proud of was oh man it doesn't look like there's that many products in this segment and it, like I could really get some blue ocean here mm-hmm. but maybe there's not maybe it's a blue ocean for a reason you know what I mean like maybe there isn't a demand there maybe that you know so so failure on that end would be like oh I'm gonna get this perfect formulation I'm gonna try and attach it to martial artists but also all kinds of other people et cetera et cetera but maybe that is like a, a fool's errand you know so to speak like like that's sort of the thought I guess would would be more in line with that like to your point what if I make a run on this stuff and then nobody's really interested right but then also at the on the flip side of that is uh, what if you do make a run at it and everyone is interested. Right. Yeah. So it's, I think it's also uh, juggling those voices in your head that, you know, just bring that self doubt and, and just being okay with this is, might not work. This might work, but let's try it. Let's throw it out there. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's learn from it. Let's evolve with it. All that fun stuff. So maybe being aware of like what potential there is for failure, but being co- like being cognizant of that, but then approaching it like 
using that as a part of your strategy or as a part of your testing and retesting, that would be how you start to frame that, like how you become more comfortable with failure because you, you frame it in the right way. Right. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of need to, you know, I think that that's an exercise that probably has to be approached and reapproached. Like right. And I, and, and I think you've already had a failure with this idea. You, you mean, uh, what, what do you mean? I think the name's terrible. Really? Okay. Flow, 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 roll. Flow, roll is it's it's the it's the F it's the F the L and the R all in one go. I think that's what it is. I think it's the combination of those. But I thought it was that's a problem. I, I you know what? I'm I'm probably a little bit too like married to it because you already uh, bought because, business cards. You already bought the bottles. Uh, yeah, I'm already <laughs> I'm already two hundred thousand in. No, 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 no. Um, I I. Uh, I just because the name makes sense for what the product is, and it also makes sense in context of martial arts. So I was like, "Oh, perfect!" But you're right; we're gonna we're gonna go back and workshop that. If if, if to the general consumer, such as yourself, if it's not if it's not hitting, then uh, it's not worth you know doubling down into. It kind of reminds me of that SNL skit with Sean Connery when they're doing Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And Sean Connery would say you know something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he would just read all the words as one sentence, and it was right. like, like whatever the word was. I don't remember, but look him up. I'm not going to say him out loud. Yeah, yeah. I no, I I recall one. I actually recall the exact bit that you're talking about. Um, moving on. Uh, what is the problem that I'm looking to solve? And that one of the one of the like uh, footnotes on this was you know, keep it as simple as possible. And I think that this is another place where I tend to get in trouble Mm -hmm. is that I'll over explain anything. I will go on for days if you let me, especially if I'm fueled with coffee, like I will not leave it alone. You know what I mean? But I think, I I don't know who I started to maybe pick this up from. Um, Oh, it it was, uh, I once was like looking into a, do, did you ever see those masterclass things, like ads for that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I never, I've never seen a masterclass, but. Yeah, so I bought my mom an annual membership uh, for a couple years ago for Christmas just because there was a lot of people who did like certain like high-end types of cooking and baking and stuff like that and like harvesting your own uh, garden and stuff like that. And my mom had just recently retired and she had a ton of time on her hands and she was not used to not working a full-time job. So she was just doing things like a maniac. Um, So I got her a masterclass to to be like, hey, I don't know, learn some shit. And But during that promotion, you got a free membership as well. So then I got a free membership. I was like, great. So I remember I was... uh, I was in the master class about the uh, the not inventor. What would you call it? Like the CEO of Starbucks or the the was it Howard Starbucks. Schultz? I no. want to say no, uh, or maybe I don't know. Uh, I think Howard Schultz took over after whom? I think I okay. It, it was it was this, the Starbucks guy, and he was just talking about like business and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things that he you know, when he put like the the mission statement of Starbucks or when he put it, he was like, yeah, well, we went on this business meeting to uh, Italy and they had this like really high end coffee that was made in this whatever. And what we thought is, why wouldn't we take that concept like that really fine tuned concept 
and then put it in an environment like where like it's an experience when you come into Starbucks and blah blah blah. blah. So they were they were combining like a physical product that was very high end. Uh, like this really wonderful roasted and tasting coffee and an experience. And they're like, we're going to put those together and that'll be our thing. And I couldn't believe that he could like Starbucks is this like massive company. And, and, you know, you could go on and on about the ways that they've changed, you know, X, Y, Z, but he, in just a couple sentences explained like, you know, what is the problem that they were looking to solve? He kept it very simple, very short. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's something that, you know, I guess, like, what am I looking to solve? And I can only right now express it as a short narrative, and I need to do better. Three thousand words. Better. Yeah. So, so maybe you can, maybe you can uh, help me with this. But this is basically what I'm trying to do. I think in an ideal world, you can uh, pick up like martial arts, or you can learn stuff, and you have a lot of time and energy because not only is it something very uh, physical, like you're grappling with someone or you're boxing or doing whatever, but it's also very mental. You're learning new skills, you're learning strategy, you're learning all this stuff. So there's there's a, not necessarily dichotomy, but there's a synergy between physical and mental. And a lot of people think like, oh, great, I'm going to progress. I can put all this time and energy into this, blah, blah, blah. But then after, you know, a few weeks of sustained training, it's the same reason why people have trouble with dieting. It's like, after that, you're tired. You work a full-time job, and then after that, you're going to go train? And then after, you know, whatever, you're tired, you're worn out, your willpower is reduced after a couple weeks of sustained training or something like that. But the number one thing that we know about success in any of these things is consistency. So you need to be able to show up time and time again, but not just physically be there and physically do whatever you need to do, but you need to mentally be there. So the goal of this product is to be like, look, a lot of people are going to train after work or something like that. You don't want to be on stimulants all night because then if you take some caffeine at 4 p.m., you're going to be up all night. You're not going to be well rested for your next day tomorrow. Instead, here's this blend that's specifically made to enhance your cognition, enhance your learning ability and your memory retention, and it gives you just enough of a boost to get your ass in and train and do what you need to do. That's that's the problem that I'm looking to solve because there's not a product that currently does that for martial artists. How would we condense that down into a... <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see how it's like it's a narrative and I've done a good job because I could go for longer. I know you can. Uh, also, <laughs> I was joking when I said 3,000 words and you delivered. Nah, that couldn't be 3,000 <laughs> words. That has to be less. <laughs> that has to be less. That was a lot of words. That was a lot <laughs> of words. Uh how about uh, the two things you really want to focus on are uh, the physical side and the cognitive mental side, side, the yeah. mental side. Yep. So uh, I think it's I think it's about giving you that extra edge, basically, to see now I'm trying to limit my words and I'm doing I'm, <laughs> it's about giving you the extra edge to enhance training in an already busy world it's uh in, I like the words enhance <laughs> I think martial arts explains a lot of it yeah so enhancing your uh your mental game and physical game Mm-hmm. Um, because there's because you don't want to do pre workout because you burn out too fast, 
Right. You burn out too fast. And also, as is the case, what generally happens with uh, any kind of martial arts gym, having worked at two of them, but having trained at five of them, basically the way that they're all structured is you have the very early morning class, which is 6 a.m., that only a very small percentage of people go to, myself. Uh, and then you have everything else in the evening. And if you actually are serious about training and competing, you have to go to the evening because everybody goes to the evening. So you have to, you have to do that. So you need to be able to be at your sharpest, both mentally and physically at the end of the day when you've already worked your whole work day and all that kind of stuff, but you can't do a big caffeine dump at four to five because then you'll be up all fucking night. That's, that's, uh, I'll work on condensing that. There's got to be a better way. So, so you're providing a uh, steady stream of energy. Yeah. uh, As well as enhancing mental skills. Yeah. Essentially we're, we're priming you both mentally and physically uh, for, for, uh, martial arts or for, you know, a physical activity without giving you like an overload or without, without overloading your system. It's good. It's getting there. It's getting there. We'll, we'll it's workshop getting there. It. We'll yeah. workshop it. More. You threw that at me. I, I was not ready to, <laughs> uh, workshop your problem. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the problem that I'm looking to solve. And I think actually your, your motives and your problem kind of go hand in hand. Like yours is a very flow kind of like one goes into the next. Right. Yeah. I was about to say that. that <laughs> my, my problem's kind of in the motive. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. One could say it has a good flow role. One could not say that as well. Yeah. No, it's true. Well, okay. So naturally, <laughs> naturally going off of that, do you have a competitor on the market? And if so, who? And Myself. Yeah, I was gonna say I was I was interested what on your take for Elephant Scout what that because I'm sure there are plenty of local filmmakers but I mean do you really have a competitor on the market? Well, I used to think I did, Hmm. and but that was coming from a a younger me when I was like 30, and uh, I was constantly comparing myself to everyone that was also considering themselves a filmmaker. Yeah, and I would you know watch their stuff. I'd go to their screenings and I would. You know, just observe and see what, you know, what do they have that I don't have? I was just constantly comparing myself. And once I let that go, uh, it's kind of irrelevant, I think, especially in this filmmaking world. It's kind of like I want to tell my stories my way. I don't need anyone's outside input. Uh, If I do need help from the outside, it's mostly going to be technical stuff, not so much creative and, you know, presentation wise. That's all going to be me. So just, you know trying to compare myself or, or seeing if there is competition, then it's not worth it. It's a, it's a time suck. Yeah. I think that that, I think that that maybe comes more into play like this question, if you have a competitor or not, I think that comes more into play when you're doing something like, you know, Uber and Lyft. Right. Realistically, the value that they're offering is the same thing. It's, it's the same thing. But naturally, as a creative, I don't think that that has the same, I don't think you have the same kind of, like, comparison there. Because it's like, why, why, as Chris Scott, the filmmaker, it's like, you wouldn't go into it being like, oh, yeah, um, you remember that Christopher Nolan film, uh, whatever it is? I'm going to make that. Like, 
that that wouldn't happen. I mean, right. I presume as much. So I don't, I don't know if that question has the same bearing on your industry specifically or something like that. Right. I, I, I do think it does play into the the self-doubt and the, the self-confidence. Uh, how you, It just kind of like weakens that when you're constantly comparing yourself mm. to because it's such a process to actually get something made and finished and sharing it with the world. It takes so much to get there and watching other people put things out more often, let's say, or they're getting better at, let's say, a cinema. So their cinematography or their, their sound is better. And it's like you're constantly trying to, if you're comparing yourself, you're trying to reach someone else's level where if you concentrate on yourself, you can focus on the things that are more important to you than to what's important to someone else. Mm-hmm. I've always found with uh, me, at least, I've, I've never really cared about how things look, like having a filmic look or the cinematic look on the screen. Yeah. I always thought the story mm-hmm. was more important. And uh, I, I, that's that's what I focus on. So once I mm-hmm. stopped com- being concerned with how everything looks, everything kind of just, it feels better and more complete. Yeah, it falls away from like technical specifications and like things like that that are to more intangible like how is the story being produced and is it being told the correct way am i am i getting across what i want to get across and things like that uh so you know do i have a competitor on the market and if so who you know i kind of fall in line with your thinking here i i have to say it's like yes technically but not like not the exact product segment but ultimately i guess my focus is on different things you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you could achieve the same results of what I'm trying to provide uh, by doing a bunch of different stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a, a pre-workout type of product. You could probably, you know, you say like, oh, well, a combination of meditation beforehand to prime your mental state and blah, blah, blah. Like, you could probably achieve what the results that I'm trying to get in a multitude of ways. But I think specifically what I'm trying to do do and what I'm trying to create out of it doesn't necessarily have a competitor, or at least if it does, I'm not so much worried about that, but maybe I should be. I think, I think what's nice about comparing yourself to someone else is kind of looking at their roadmap and seeing how you would want to diverge or uh, copy. So yeah, someone else may maybe has figured out a marketing plan or, you know, lingo or words that you know align well with your product and it's easier to i always think it's easier to uh, modify something so i think you know rewriting is really important i don't think you know a script Mm -hmm. isn't written in the first draft it's written in all the rewrites because it's easier to modify just like a basis of sloppy ideas that you can kind of just mold into something good so that's what i think it would be good about comparing yourself or finding your competitors and seeing what they're doing yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, there's a line of products that's in the bodybuilding segment that I really like their model because their whole thing is like, look, a lot of these products, like you have no idea what you're taking. They say proprietary blend and it's just and that's all that's in the nutritional facts. You don't know. Supplements don't have to be FDA regulated, so you don't have really any concept. And what they do is they basically jam it full of caffeine and jam it full of um 
niacin and B vitamins such that you feel good when you're taking it. So you're just like, oh, it must be working. I'm going to keep taking it. Right. But it's it's very unclear what you're actually ingesting and all that kind of stuff. So their whole thing is that we tell you everything that's in our product and we show you the manufacturing lab that we make it in and we test our own stuff. And to me, I was like, yeah, that's great. Like that ultimately is the kind of comparison that I would like to drive because it's like, yeah, I would like to be completely forthcoming about everything that's in it in what amounts because the threat there is that then somebody can steal your 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 idea. But I would much rather risk that and have kind of, I guess, more integrity towards the, the you know, as opposed to just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be another one of those companies that, you know, manufactures stuff in some kind of blend that I'm not going to reveal to you and, you know, whatever. So, so that kind of a comparison opens up. But then in terms of like their modeling completely towards these, you know, their marketing plan is all towards these really like beefed up bodybuilder types. And for me... Um, I have a kind of unique segment that, so it's like, I can take what works, but then discard the rest, you know, like what's worked for these people in their segment and see if that applies in my segment. But then I can discard all the stuff that's like, Oh, it's specifically formulated to give you skin splitting pumps. You have no idea how many times that phrase is used in, in everything. Like I've researched the hell out of it and every single product says it gives you skin splitting pumps, skin splitting pumps. Yeah, my product will not do that. I'm not here to give anyone skin-splitting pumps. <laughs> it's very um, nice of you. Very nice of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought this was an interesting question here. Am I offering a vitamin or a painkiller? And and they made the distinction between those two, like saying nobody wakes up in the morning craving a vitamin, but it's really important for kind of like maintenance and just like routine, you know, et cetera. It's something that you need in the background, whereas a painkiller is something that's like, here's a problem and we're solving it. I have a headache, boom, painkiller. I'm going to take uh-huh. it because like I need it right now. So kind of thinking about that, I think would speak to how you market your product, how you develop your product, like the specific people that you're trying to attract. And I think I had a hard time kind of defining this because when I looked at, looked at my problem, which is that, oh, a- you know, People are generally really tired when they're, you know, want to go train and they're they're not bringing their men they're not bringing their mental focus into it, and that it, there's a higher chance that they're going to quit because they oh I'm going to skip Wednesday practice because I was really tired you know whatever and then Thursday rolls around and it's like oh well I already skipped Wednesday but I was really busy today too so I'm going to skip you know and that problem perpetuates perpetuates itself it's like in that regard it's a painkiller but I don't really think that this product could be thought about like that like I don't think it's I don't think it's really a painkiller. I think it is a daily maintenance. I think it's a, I think it's a supplement. Yeah. I mean, it is that <laughs> it certainly is that Let's call it a supplement. Yeah. So, so I don't know. How do you feel about elephant scout? Are you serving as like a painkiller, like something that people are seeking as a pro or a solution to the problem that they're facing? Or are you, um, are you serving up a, a vitamin, something that's, you know, kind of more maybe not directly addressing a problem, but is easing things in, in the in the grand scheme of things. Oh, man. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I assumed it I assume it would lean more towards vitamin. I feel like maybe painkiller. I don't know. Probably painkiller. Because you kind of take painkillers when you're in pain. And if your pain is wanting to watch a movie, you take them watch a movie as a painkiller i think i think both of us actually exist in the vitamin realm 
as soon as I stopped talking, the answers were clear, which uh, should probably tell me more about life that I need to shut up more often. (laughs) But uh, I think both of us exist as vitamins, and here's why. What vitamins do is they take your current situation, like whatever, you know, my life is this, you know, my, my bones are a little creaky, my digestion isn't as good, my mental fog is kind of there, and it just kind of elevates your status quo. Not temporarily, not if you take a vitamin every day, it's not necessarily like a spike or something that'll make a drastic change to right now, but it's something that'll make a change, like it elevates the game, it, it changes, you know, whatever. And I think that that's both your product and my product, right? You're trying to create more representation in films and be able to resonate with more people. That's a, that's a, that's building up the game. That's, that's something that takes the status quo and elevates it a little bit. We're, we're not just satisfied with, you know, empty calorie movies that, you know, like, oh, I, I don't relate to a single character in this movie and I don't care what happens to them at all. Right. Which is the way I feel when I watch um, Marvel movies. Uh, or uh, Lena Dunham movies. Does she have movies? She, was, she had a couple before she made that show on HBO. Yeah, which I have mixed thoughts about also, but right. that's that's all <laughs> that's a whole different thing. But um yeah, exactly. It's like you're trying to take the status quo and elevate it a little bit. And I think that that's the same thing with me. I you go like there are plenty of martial artists who go and train and you know whatever. I'm just trying to take what you already do and just elevate it a little bit. We're going to make it a little better. I guess my question to this question is is who's taking the vitamin or the painkiller? I don't know. That's that's a philosophical. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't because I, I like your answer, but I wonder if that's more for me as a creative person or me as the business person. Oh, or yeah. how how are? But it's a weird question to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to approach that really because because what is how is the audience uh, consuming? You know, floral Chris Scott films or for Chris Scott? Yeah, or Chris Scott film, right? That's a good question. I, I guess we would have to change our perspective and see it from the other side. But I don't know if I, I mean, I certainly don't have enough data right now. So, <laughs> but, you, but you've taken it. Yeah, but you're, oh man, you're right. This is, it's me answering my own question, but from my own perspective. Right, as a person that has used your product. Right. I mean, that's what I'm as a vitamin is what, cause ah. I feel like vitamins are like an everyday yeah. supplement to kind of make you feel good overall as painkillers are kind of for a specific moment or a time, unless you're addicted to painkillers, which is not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to star this and I'm going to say, I need to approach this at another date. Like I, now, now I'm not sure. I had an answer, but now you're making me question everything. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening. But you only had that answer for a couple minutes because it just happened yeah, right it, now. Yeah, it so. came and went. It came and went. I yeah. guess I'm not that. Um, but no, it's good to have those conversations and try and figure things out. Yeah, it's like, am I going to leave this podcast with more questions than I came into it? Like you I should, you should. I guess, I guess that's a fair point. Um, I'll pare down this list. I think, I think there's a. I had a few listed out here, but for the sake of time, 
I'll, I'll go with the, the last one that I thought was, was pretty significant, which was, do you have the two most important skills? And what they're referring to there is that for any product, service, et cetera, you need to have the formulation of it. So in this specific one, in this article, I think they were referring to engineering, like you need to be able to make something. Mm-hmm. And then do you have the marketing or the sales skills? So any any company has to have the people who build the, the, the widget and then the people who sell the widget. Those are the two things. Everything else, HR, uh, you know, uh, product marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Like those are all subservient to those main two goals. So for this, and then, and then the sub question on, on this is if not, how will you obtain them? And I think I need to model myself after the steps that elephant scout has been taking. Oh, just adding more crew members, adding more team. Yeah. Developing a team around this because I have the formulation uh, skills. I, you know, have done more than enough organic chemistry to throw this stuff together. Um, I have the formulation skills, especially because this is a, it's like a, you can follow guidelines. Like I said before, I think in the previous podcast, I'm not reinventing the wheel or I'm not inventing fire for the first time. There are people who do this stuff all the time and you can find it on the internet. You can find people who will show you how to like uh, titrate stuff on the internet. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. or on YouTube, rather. It's it's not that complicated if you invest the time to learn, and if you invest the time, uh, or sorry, if you invest the time to learn, and if you invest the money to have, you know, whatever you need. Like I had to get these very specific scales that go down to a, you know, because the generic scale that I already had in my house only went down to the like milligram level, or or maybe above the milligram level. So I had to go. I had to find a very specific scale. Then I had to find the stuff to actually handle because I'm dealing with like powders, but then also stuff that I'm grinding up and yada, yada, because I bought shit in bulk, which that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but um, so so the formulation side of it, you know, is not actually that difficult. Uh, yeah. On the marketing and the sales side, it's like like I opened up this conversation with, I have no idea what I'm doing on Instagram or yeah. like on things. I, I definitely am going to have to, you know, so so in that, if not, how will you obtain them? It's like, well, I got to find a, a teammate at least. You have to find at least one teammate. Yeah, they can be your salesman. Yeah, that, or that like, will go or, around and ask everybody uh, if that's fair or if that's something they would be interested in. <laughs> Is that something you'd be interested in? What if I told you I can make you mentally very clear and at your physical peak during training? but not have you have an energy crash or stay up all night. Is that something you might be interested in? That's your problem right there. That's, that's my problem. That's, that's my thing. I don't know, but how did and you go around? And that was the most succinct you've ever said it. Ooh, yeah. We're going to listen back to this recording and try and write that down. <laughs> you should. You should. But how did you, uh, you go about, well, how did you understand that you kind of needed or wanted a team? And, and what kind of drove the decision making there? Uh, it was when we had the murder mystery night a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. just that realization that everything was kind of funneled uh, through yep. me and yep. uh, needing to alleviate some of that pressure. And cause I can't do everything. There's no, yeah. there's not enough time and just needing help to make things better and get things done. Right. As opposed to me half-assing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of a, an ego thing there, right? It's like, I have to have control over everything to have everything go right. But then you ser- soon realize that in your need for control over everything, you're actually only putting a small amount of attention into each of these items. So it would actually be better if you 
entrusted somebody else with the responsibility to, to do items A, B, and C, and then I'll take care of D, E, and F. Right. And then things actually turn out better than if you were doing it all yourself. Right. And, and then another side of that was I was trying to delegate jobs to help out and stuff, but uh, the people I work with uh, were not capable because of uh, restrictions with gear or they didn't have a computer that was strong enough or mm. uh, just things like that. So they would still need to use my computer to do audio. They would need yeah. me to make a thing so they can go to a printer. It was like, it was just a lot of things kind of filtered. And yeah. so, but yeah, definitely, definitely uh, needing to alleviate some of that pressures, I think making things easier and better. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's certainly really wise. And that's that's definitely something, you know, because I can take the time to learn marketing and sales kind of stuff, especially in this digital landscape. But if I really want to give myself a leg up, I'm sure I could also entrust that to somebody else who that's their wheelhouse and they'll amplify the speed and the the direction that I would have given Mm -hmm. myself. But I feel like I've got both skills, though. I do feel like I can do both. And I think wanting to grow and do bigger and better things requires letting that go. Mm. You know, that's interesting. Because when we did the first mummy screening, it was, it was, there's all sorts of cool marketing things we did. Yeah. And now it's like, we're going to do the digital release and I'm kind of stepping back a little bit and realizing I should probably step in just a little bit more to make things Mm. more, to get things a little bit bigger, bigger and better. Mm. So it's, so it's a little bit of a balance. You, you always have to kind of evaluate where you're at. And, and just kind of, you know, or uh, I think Matthew McConaughey put it really well in this uh, commencement speech, either to UT Austin or UT Houston or somewhere in Texas, I don't know, uh, where he was basically saying that you have to keep track of all the meters in your life. And so if your, you know, relationship with your wife or your kids or whatever is doing really well, but your business is kind of going poor, your, maybe your finances are going poor, you got to kind of tune that attention the other way just to get everything back in check and get you always got to manage all your meters. So in this case, you know, it's like, you've got the, the creative side meter, but like, Oh, you know, I I can see that we're doing good at X, Y, Z, but maybe if I put a little more attention into that or a little more focus myself, that it will kind of creep that meter up and just manage everything a little better. Uh Uh-huh. Huh. Definitely. 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 Well, any, uh, any, we, we didn't go through all the questions I wrote down, but that's all right. Uh, we'll get to those some other time, and and some of them, as as I discovered while we were talking them out, it's like I'm actually not sure myself. So this uh, this definitely means a little bit of soul searching in my in my oh, we future. Can, we can always do a part two if you want. Yeah, we could always do a part two and and figure out the rest. But do you have any uh, anything to plug? Any parting thoughts? Uh, nothing to plug. I do want to, I guess, I guess we can plug the Eddie Mummy movie, which is going to uh, be online at our benefit screening. Go to elephantscout.com for more details. And that's what I got. What about you? Uh, nothing much. Um, I mean, there's going to be an exciting opportunity potentially coming back. Uh, gyms are absolutely closed right now in Arizona, but it looks like there might be some restriction lifting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it kind of depends. So there might be an interesting opportunity coming up, but that's not really for, for the public. That's that's kind of more just in my private interests for uh, kind of getting some some wider formulation testing out and getting some more voice of the customer because I think that's important right now. I'm going to do some canvassing on my problem that I'm trying to solve. Once I, I'm going to re-listen to this episode 
try and get that sentence back, improve that sentence a little bit, and then I'm just going to ask, basically ask that question uh, to people who are in the field and try, see if I can get some voice of the customer just to just to ensure that my assumptions that I'm making here are correct. So uh-huh. that's what I'm doing there. I also was toying around with the notion of... Uh, I, I stopped the social media game, but anyone can follow me at at Atish Mazish, A-T-I-S-H-M-A-Z-I-S-H, because I... Uh, have been toying with the notion I did something called the Murph 52 uh, a little while back where I was doing a Murph every weekend and now all of a sudden I find myself three Murphs in so now I'm like am I, am I going for it again? What am I doing? I don't know. So may have a little social media experiment, a little journey there that uh, people can tune into if they want. But <laughs> other than that, nothing to plug but uh, we may come back with a part two of this episode uh, but stay tuned. 